I am Catherine Bruyere. Hey everyone, this is Ramona Milano, otherwise known as Francesca Vecchio. This is Paul Haggis. This is Paul Gross, and you're listening to Do South by Southeast. Thank you kindly. I wish this podcast would carry me away But while talking to Squeak Nick and Michelle get a word in edgeways Rick over a bottle of rum on a dock of Southampton Bay To South, that is what we're talking about To South Saddle up my microphone, get deep in Baker I was here for ages. I haven't literally just landed in the seat at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Hello! And welcome to another edition of Juice South by Southeast, the show which gives Juice South its juice one episode at a time. I would like to take this moment to just thank Matt Lees for that excellent theme tune. He's written all the theme tunes for every podcast I've ever done um, since Gallifrey Stands. And uh, yesterday I got to play that tune for Jay Semko, the guy who wrote the original tune. Um, if you're still watching Matt, you're going to want to watch that interview back because he was very complimentary about your arrangement of his song. So uh, that's great. That being said, hello to Sarah Kirk, who's here in the audience. Uh, hello to uh, Gemma Williams, who's joining us. Uh, fantastic. So let's add some people to the stream. We've got Armani John. Yay! Hello, hello. I also haven't introduced uh, civilian aid Nicola. Probably should do that. Get in oh, trouble see, otherwise. John's more important than I am. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Diefenbaker, apparently. I brought Dief. He's he's up early. It's uh, it's kind of it's almost it's like seven in the morning here. But uh, Dief was up. You didn't want to miss the podcast. And, Can I grab um, my? I'll grab my Dief. Oh. Give me a second. Dotty um, <laughs> sent a puppy in her place with a headset on from work. Who just looked like they've come back from a Hawaiian themed party? Um, but... What puppy gets up to in puppy spare time is between puppy and the puppy party people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love you. I can that still times, say though, that but... after 22 hours. Come on, people. What more do you want? Puppy and the puppy people. Yeah. Have, have you got your teeth now? There's you more than better. one. Oh, we Something one weird's one going on. There's more than one deep. That's like the show. <laughs> yeah, going very behind the scenes here. We will be with more than one Stephen Baker. I clearly know what we need now. Um, so Michelle's hopefully going to join us at some point. I don't know where she's going to. I've heard but... a message from Michelle, so Same. uh she's just trying to get in at the moment. So uh awesome. If I start introducing, could you also mention uh message Phoenix Free Home see if they've any donations? I'm already on it. She's yeah, oh, like so Michelle can't get in at the moment, but she will be joining us hopefully. In okay, a uh, guys, we're going to be talking about a wonderful episode of Due South, uh, which has got Leslie Nielsen in it. It's all the Queen's horses. We're going to just bypass all the usual shenanigans we do about a mini Mountie Club and what we're drinking. We're drinking rum. That's fine. Uh, now, uh, we're going to go straight into it because you guys, before we do that, I believe 
Maybe have a little special announcement, which we've been saving for Squeefest. Have we? Oh, I think I think we might have something to announce. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a. Uh, yeah, fan, little... don't tease these people anymore. They were ready for blood with me. And <laughs> I, just I, I know. I, I I've been following some of this, and I think you know it just started a few weeks back when. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have something to announce. Um. And it's it's something special. I think it's a yeah. it's something perhaps a little bit unusual, but uh, but we do have something that uh, we, we've been working on for for a little while. Uh, and by we, I mean uh, John and I. Um, and by working on, I mean talking about. Um, because <laughs> I think that's about as far as we've gotten. But uh, we, yeah, we we are uh, we are uh, we are. Going to bring something to the uh, to the Dew South and RCW one three nine to the to all the doozers out there, uh, and especially the ones that have been attending RCW one three nine. So, um, what are we uh, what are we talking about here, John? Maybe uh, maybe you could say. Well, I think I think uh, Ian's got a graphic to bring up on screen to reveal the announcement. All right, let's bring that up. Give me one second. <laughs> it's well rehearsed. <laughs> no, do you know what I've managed to do? I've managed to upload all the other photos you sent me, but not the um, the primary one, which is the reveal. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, I had one job. I know I had one job. Well, I, well, I definitely was sent this, to, and I've, I've totally to, misplaced to, it. To, to be fair, you've had uh, you've been busy too, sir. You've been busy too. Um, <laughs> so, well, maybe we'll oh, talk John, about. Can you get up and share your screen? I will bring it up now. See, by the way, this isn't us milking it. This is literally just happening. This is not yeah. us in yeah. any way milking the reveal. I like the way you're really like going, if we're not doing anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please don't write me. One of the things about RCW139, about the uh, the conventions, for those uh, those who have attended or participated in some way, and by participated, I mean, uh, I mean we have, we've had people who bought supporting membership packs, uh, all kinds of things, people who have supported in, in, in so many different ways. Uh, and and one of the things is everybody's got you know these little stories and and these like sort of special memories of uh, RCW one three nine, and uh, and sometimes it's just a very simple you know just a very simple thing that happened and uh, just you know just a couple of people and 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 a special moment, uh, and sometimes it's uh, it's you know a bit of a bigger moment you know some some something that happened in the convention in particular uh some time with a, a a guest or some really funny story or or not necessarily even a story maybe some really funny uh uh funny goings on like uh when ramona milano started dancing on stage at uh at rcw 139 i can't even remember which one. i think it was in 2014 that she did that um but uh you know the, these these kinds of stories that people have and and really like some some of this stuff really really sticks um and uh we wanted to bring these together uh and to I've do just, something I've, I've just messaged you the uh, the image buddy to me yep facebook ah uh, cool okay cool we wanted to we wanted to to uh, to bring these stories together so uh uh we've got this uh this plan day. yeah we've got this plan to uh to come out with a book mm -hmm. of rcw139 stories uh and we've got a, f a a fancy working title for it right now right john 
Yep, yep. Uh, Cold one three nine stories. Um, has the graphic not arrived yet? Give me a second. I for some reason <laughs> Facebook was uh, refusing to load. I've got it now. Uh, give me one second. I can send, show you the uh, uh, flashy graphic. Uh, I have to do screen share and Chrome tab. Oh, it's going so smoothly, um, guys. Just while you're doing that, I have had a message from um, Gary who is Michelle's PA, also her husband. Yeah. And um, she, he has just said that the uh, uh, hello, love, loveling squee first, Michelle is having a bit of trouble still connecting. So um, well, yeah, we'll hope, we'll hope you're on soon, Michelle. We're loveling it too. I don't know what's happening. For some reason, it will not bring up um, the cover. Uh, oh, wait a minute, sorry, I've got it. Uh, one second. I think I can get this to work now. Chrome tab. <laughs> We'll forgive you. I think, I think our, I think the crowd's going to, the crowd might be a little bit disappointed after all of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at that. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, it's uh, uh, all this, all this build up and uh, actually John did the, John did the mock up there and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just a working, uh, a working mock up, but uh, yeah. It's a. It's going to be a book about RCW one three nine and and people's stories about RCW one three nine, and what's exciting about this is that uh, we're not just going to come up with the stories ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe John, maybe you want to say a few words about that. Yeah, I'll keep it brief because I know you want to get onto the actual episode. Um, so yeah, we will reveal uh, more details in our social media posts, I believe, sometime soon, buddy. Uh, but we want to put an open call out to all attendees who have attended a previous RCW139 event. And if you've got a favorite memory or story that you want to share, uh, something that brought you to the event, um, just something that happened on, the, on your travels on the way here, something that actually happened at the convention, share it with us. We will send out all the details via our social media account. But uh, it's a chance for you to be a part of the book, really. Uh, we'll also be putting the call out to all past guests, that's cast, crew, and otherwise, because we did have some other people involved as well. And it just promises to be a really lovely insight into uh, the conventions and the, the love of the show in general. And uh, yes, it will it'll have an ISBN number. It will be registered in the British Library, so it will be a, a legitimate publication. So it's a chance for people to be a part of that. Yeah, it's going to have some fantastic pictures, uh, yep. and uh, we don't know when it's going to be released, but uh, we hope that uh, we hope sometime next year we'll see. Yeah, yeah, that's so, the end. So much more, much more to follow in uh, in a, a, a social media post on the RCW 139 page and due south that will, uh, and I'm sure due south by southeast as well. Yeah. that will uh, that will carry all the details on uh, what people uh, what people should be doing. Yeah, what we said was we'd have an announcement today and we'd have you on for a separate episode where we just talk all about it. Um, it was lovely actually last night. Uh, Jay Semko, who did all the original music for due south, um, he he held aloft his very proud license plate with uh rcw139 which he got from the event um so uh, it does mean a lot to the stars i know as well as uh those people who attend it as guests um so hannah's put how exciting it is uh cool idea from uh, regina um and everyone's just loving it so uh, fantastic mm. stuff let's get on talking about all the queen's horses uh this fantastic episode uh, do we, we not have orders of business today I said we're going to skip them today because we've run a time crunch. Oh, no. We will do a, a another show another day and we'll get into all that kind of shenanigans. Oh, I brought rum and everything. <laughs> yeah, what we're drinking is rum. There's uh, mini Mounties we'll talk about later. Oh, what are you drinking, John? 
I, I'm not really a rum fan, so I've done an old fashioned. So it's <gasps> nice, uh, it's very classic. Very classic. Yeah. Cheers. Yes, so, so it's it's seven in the morning here, so you'll forgive me if I'm not <laughs> indulging. Lightweight. <laughs> just literally, just literally got out of bed for this. Look, I'm Irish. It's always past midday somewhere. Yeah. In the world. <laughs> um, okay, I'm just going at the IMDb on all the Queen's horses. So IMDb says thus. A subversive terrorist hijack a train carrying the RCMP music ride on an exhibition tour. While the FBI dithers about, Fraser, Inspector Thatcher, and Buck Frobisher, of course, Leslie Nielsen, uh, work against the hijackers from the inside. This one was directed by George Bloomfield, uh, the legend of Due South, and uh, writers uh, credited as Paul Haggis creator, um, story by uh, Paul Gross, John Kisnak and uh, Paul Corrington. So uh, well done to them. And teleplay by uh, Paul Grice. I think this one really does smack of one of the earlier uh, earlier Paul Grice um, scripts before he took over as uh, more creative control. Uh, it's got all those kind of comedy beats that he hit. Bringing back Buck, Buck Frobisher, you do get that wonderful thing, uh, which I always say with Leslie Nielsen, in the hands of a really great writer, He's served best by being written so he performs it very seriously, doing the most silly stuff. And he yeah. gets so much mileage and so much opportunity in this. Uh, Nico, what do you think of this episode? Oh, I love this episode. This is a fab episode. And like you say with Leslie Nielsen, I think it, it, it needed writing. So he was doing his serious stuff, but it had parts of him, which is fantastic humour, but not too much, where it got very slapstick. It yeah. was just perfect. I think the amount of humour from him, uh, one of my favourite bits, I know, uh, I'll say a favourite bit because I know we'll talk about it, was the bit where he carries on singing when everybody else has been knocked out. That's one of my favourite bits because that for him was just perfect. <laughs> Stefan, your initial thoughts? Uh, it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really interesting episode. I, I love the Leslie Nielsen piece of this uh i mean he's got such a major role in this one and uh and bringing him back is i mean the more leslie nielsen on screen that you can get uh, i think the better um and uh, it's it is uh and of course he's got some of those uh those uh, classic due south moments with uh, with uh, right forever um it's uh definitely a bit of a change to the program and i think you can tell with uh with uh with paul gross writing and and a little bit of a change of tone there and a bit of a mm -hmm. but but it's but it's, a, but it's a really interesting one and you mentioned um uh some of the credits uh paul quarrington who's a a, a fairly well-known canadian uh, novelist playwright etc uh, and who unfortunately uh passed away in uh, 2010 uh really i think he was uh, you know 57 years old or, or something along those lines uh, a, a big loss for the canadian arts uh, community uh, but uh, what, what a great contr contributor to uh, do south in general fantastic good uh, Marnie john your uh, initial thoughts on this one it was it was the episode that got me back into the show um after first thing on air back in the mid 90s then through college i saw reruns and it was the first episode i caught and man it just hits on all cylinders it's a fan favorite it will always be the fan a fan favorite it's always a go-to i think we're at the conventions have played it twice now purely from popularity um 
and I think it just it has everything. It has like some of them. It, it's more of a fun episode, but it's still got a few of the bits of drama in it and things. But in terms of the characters and the character interaction, everything is just spot on. Um, mm. It's it's interesting yeah. that like how separate Ray is to the story, but it just fits so seamlessly as well. And it's a chance for him and Deef to do stuff on their own. Um, but it's it's Leslie Nielsen's show, and I, I I just this episode just made me want want to see more of Leslie Nielsen, and um, his name escapes me, Bob Fraser, Gordon Pinson, Gordon Pinson. Gordon Pinson. I just wanted to oh. see like a whole. I wanted to see a spin-off series just of them, an odd couple sort of manty pairing, just just going nuts and, and sort of sharing an apartment together. <laughs> And that's the amazing. That's that's actually one of the really amazing things about this episode is the the interplay between uh, Gordon Pinsent and and Leslie Nielsen, which which of course we've had a little bit throughout Due South, but I mean this is a focal point of of the interplay between them, and uh, and of course Leslie Nielsen dying a few years uh, a few years later. Um, this is uh, yeah, uh, I mean fantastic. Yeah, I know you said about the interaction between those two, but just going back to Ray. Um, I love they still keep the interaction between um, Ray and Benny because it's kind of like, you know, I, I told you to let me know how it goes on. You don't need to update <laughs> as, as it's going. He rings him again and he puts him on, you know, puts him on recorders. And that to me just still has that relationship there for those I, two as well. And to show that nothing of the beast is wasted in this episode, you don't miss out on a Deathen Baker moment just because he isn't in the heart oh. of the action. He gets to pop up whenever Ray does in these kind of like silly little moments. He's there grabbing uh, potato chips when they're not yeah. looking and uh, doing all this kind of fun. Oh, do you not think of that? Though, as as an actor, Deefen Baker, I wonder if they gave him the chips and then whipped them away because <laughs> probably wouldn't give a dog that many chips. He'd be so disappointed. I'd be like, oh, "Where's my the chips?" Thing I, the thing I love about that scene is just Ray's reaction. It's like he's almost half expecting it. It's like, okay, Benton's on a train with a whole load of other mounties. Something's going to happen. I just got to wait for the phone call. And it's like, okay, here we go. And then just hits. <laughs> yeah, yes. let, let me just finish my poker game first and then I'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, it perfectly sums up a lot of things in this episode. And as you say, uh, one of the last appearances by Leslie Nielsen, mm. between this and I think Men With Brooms, uh, his last great yeah. performances, I really do, do consider this. Uh, there were so many people who used him in films near the end who just really didn't know how to work with him and how to, as I say, just say, just deliver it straight. It will be twice as funny when you do the most stupid things. If you're delivering it for laughs and you do something stupid, it's just not as funny. And and I think some uh, directors just didn't get that about him. Paul Gross definitely did. Uh, guys, uh, is it okay if we share maybe just a couple of little sneaky photos from your book? As well, this isn't from this isn't from the book per se. This these are photographs that were shared to us um, by someone, and they're they're never okay. before seen behind the scenes photographs. So they've kindly allowed Ooh. us to sort of share a few, just for this sort of episode and give you a bit of an insight. So I'll let Stefan take it away. Yeah, they're they're uh, uh, background photographs from the filming of all the Queen's horses uh, and. Uh, um, the, you know, we've uh, I think we've shown some of these at RCW one three nine in I'm going to say 2014, uh, but uh, it could be 2012. But I think it's 2014. He said these are exclusive. <laughs> I said we shared some of these. We haven't oh, okay. shared 
all of these. Uh, and I don't think, yeah, and they're exclusive. Clearly, they're exclusive to the people that were at RCW 109 in 2014. So uh, I don't think I don't think a whole lot of people have had the chance to to, to see these. And uh, I think they're I think they're fantastic. I mean, I'm not sure which one uh, John's uh, made the selection here. Uh, oh yeah, okay, of course. Uh, all the Mounties and and uh, Leslie Nielsen and Gordon Pinson there in the uh, in in the foreground. Uh, we just got one more we'll show for now, and there's oh, one yeah. we'll look at later. Wow, uh, it's just just lovely to see. There's something really magical because um, genuinely, I think they're such great actors. When I see Leslie Nielsen in this, I'm not. I really am not thinking of Leslie Nielsen. I'm thinking about Frobisher. When I see this mm. behind the scenes photo, it's like. It, it, it's him there getting ready to to be that like you know it really does feel like something uh illicit behind the scenes i'm it's just great. trying to work out what they're actually doing helping looks, yeah tightening his belt by the looks of things but yep. if you notice alex the costume designer she's wearing benton's cut off hat yeah uh i'm gonna save the other photo because there's a certain scene we're going to talk about and that photo is directly from there um I think it's wonderful uh, with this episode, the simplicity of the conceit. So the general plan of the episode, if you like, is just they're, they're on an exhibition um, ride with, with the RCMP. They're on a train. Some hijackers take over the train. That really is the, the main plot. And that gives so much scope and so much room for these character moments. So, like you say, they, um, you know, Thatcher's just impatient. Is going, get them to do something, make them sing or something. <laughs> and you, of course, get this wonderful Ride Forever uh, number, yeah. uh, which, as you said, Nicola, it's great. They're all singing along. It's all great. And she pulls um, uh, uh, Benton to one side. He comes to and he goes, I think we've got a problem. It's like, the singing isn't that bad. Okay, they're a little <laughs> off key, but it'll be fine. You know? <laughs> Uh, and it's just such a tight-packed moment. Uh, then you've got in the main carriage, everyone else is falling asleep apart from Buck Frobisher, who thinks he's just farted his way into knocking everyone out, which is just classic <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. Um, but yeah, and he just keeps on singing. And like for a really long moment, like there's a good half a minute where he just keeps singing the song with no one else joining in, completely off key. And I think it's the perfect Leslie Nielsen moment and the perfect excuse to have... Uh, to have Benny and uh, Thatcher uh, away from them when they all get knocked out. In that moment, though, as well, just going a little bit before that, I do like the bit, and she's like, why are they staring at me? Stop them staring. And he's like, well, they're frightened. <laughs> <laughs> Nicola recognised the look from me sometimes. I with her. <laughs> it, it's like, interesting. Sing and sing. <laughs> It's it's interesting because you know, due south just due south in general, and and Paul Haggis has talked about that before. You know, there's this sort of absurdist uh, uh, theme going on, right? You know, this contrast of the absurd and and the serious and things like that, and uh, and all the Queen's horses. I mean, the scenario is so so far out there right if you think about it right it is it's completely absurd uh and but it's just again that sort of that 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 delivery uh contrasting the absurd and and mm. playing it straight right and it's and it's you know I, I don't think it's for everybody but if you get it it's it's absolutely amazing right mm. Mm. Uh, it's just the way that they uh, it, it just moves as well with this episode because they I think they want to bring in so much character and bring in every character into here no, I 
don't think really there's any of certainly the very main characters which get missed out. Um, we've got Mounty Michelle. Hey, <laughs> Made it. Yay. Oh my goodness. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Hello. Oh. Uh, we have just uh, announced the RCW139 uh, book, which is coming out. Very exciting. Yeah, uh, amazing. We'll tell you a bit more about that later. We've uh, we've talked. We've started talking about the episode uh, "All the Queen's Horses." Yeah. So we've got as far as uh, the Mounties all getting knocked out, and Leslie Nielsen thinking he's <laughs> part of them unconscious, and him continuing on singing while uh, Thatcher. And Benton, this is like previously on Due South, uh, are in the other carriage. Uh, what were your thoughts uh, going into this episode? Oh, well, yeah, I thought it was a great episode. So many lovely um, parts of this episode, and it was really quite funny. But with the part where everyone got knocked down, I'm sorry, I don't know. Um, I was too busy trying to mess around with this um, to figure out what you were saying. But um, why wasn't he affected? I don't understand why he wasn't. I assumed his system was so backed up it repelled the gas. He put something up his nose so his own wind wasn't affecting him and then he wasn't affected by That's the gas. That's a good valid point. Is it, I mean, is it explicitly mentioned anywhere, uh, John or Stefan, why he isn't affected by it? No. No, not at all. I and I think that's the beauty of it. It's like Paul Haggis says, it can stretch so far in either direction that they can just get away with it. They can have yep. Manti singing in perfect harmony in a song that's completely unrehearsed. And then Leslie Nielsen impervious to every sort of poison known on the planet. Mm. Um, it, it's just due south and it does it perfectly. No other show could do that. No. Yeah. no and I think, a, like you know, say, oh, sorry, Michelle, um, you go. Well, there's a few things in this episode that just really don't make any kind of sense at all. So why are we trying to make sense of it, I suppose? <laughs> well, I like a, to think... Because, you know, we've already established a manhunter, uh, manhunt, that um, uh, Leslie Nielsen is an expert tracker. Like all these great um, uh, spies, trackers, and what have you, who kind of train themselves not to be affected by poison by heating a little bit each day. You've heard of this happening. I think he's exposed himself to every gas known to man, including his own, to the point where he is just immune. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that That's my rationale. <laughs> So what, what I was going to say was, when I first started watching Due South, I remember I used to think to myself, um, you know, why are the why are the villains doing this? What is the backstory? Why are they? And I kind of learned very quickly, actually, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you may not meant to know why this is. And it's it's like, I think the one with the, um, oh, I can't remember the episode. It's when they find the matchbook and all these names on the matchbook. Chicago um, yeah, and um, I remember that was a pivotal as well. And I used to think, why? Why did that? What's this relevance? And there was no relevance. And and it's like with this, it reminds me that actually that's just there. You know, there's no, we didn't don't really know the ins and outs of like, he didn't come on the villain and go, oh, I've done this because of this in my history. And uh, we don't know too much about that, but you don't need to. Because the beauty is, again, it just reminds me that the beauty of Due South is just, it is what it is. There are some, yeah. but there are, it's, you know, you, you say that and it's, I completely agree, but there are some episodes that have a, you know, more, sort of, a, I guess, a, if you want to call it a bit of a more logical backstory to yeah. it. 
Um, and, yeah. and, and, and again, Paul Haggis and, and Paul Gross have both mentioned this before saying, you know, one of the things about Do South is it is a little bit, it is a little bit uneven in the sense that, you know, some episodes and, and you, you know, you get one episode and then next week you get another episode and it's a different, you know, the way that they had arranged it at the beginning is they had sort of two different sets of, uh, of crewing, right. And they, they did, mm. you know, even and odd episodes and, and you do get this sort of like, you know, uh, sometimes I'll call it a little bit of whiplash when you go from one episode to the other, which is, you know, a, a sort of a, a completely different team, a little bit of a different take on the approach here. But what's, yeah. I think what's amazing is that the show can actually, um, uh, you know, actually with, not just withstand this, but actually thrives because of this. Uh, and yeah. it just goes to show you sort of that, you know, the depth of the, you know, first of all, the talent, uh, either mm. you know, from the cast and the crew, but just the, you know, how they've managed to actually um, exploit this, you know, this, this, uh, this mm. uh, scenario uh, and, and, and make it work in all those different circumstances. And, and that's I, I must admit, I had to train myself with it because I'm the sort of person that needs to know the ins and outs of everything. <laughs> so if you've got someone doing something, I'm like, why are they doing it? Why are they? And that's me. So I had to train myself with those episodes. Don't ask <laughs> I mean, I, 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 just to give you an idea of the scope of that, Nicola complains that in Cobra Kai, if everyone's seen that wonderful series, that in the first series, oh, suddenly they're all ninjas. And I've said to her, what do you want? Five series of them being really rubbish at karate before they get any good. She goes, yes, it would be more logical. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 like five, five series of just them getting the snot kicked out. And that'd be great. <laughs> Now, logical, yeah. like, I do not understand. <laughs> when it comes to Cobra Kai, you do get like that handsome other TV shows. So, what about you know, what about the shows or, or the movies or whatever when it says like four years later, would you actually want to have like your one, your two, yeah, your yeah, three, yeah, yeah. your four? <laughs> That's what happened all the way through. Yeah, 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 I am like that. I'm thinking, well, you know, you would look, I know we're not here to talk about Cobra Kai, but the whole <laughs> class are fantastic like jack you know they're like jackie chans or you know they're brilliant you haven't just normally you just have maybe one shining star if this was real life <laughs> that's what gets me that's all there you go to yourself anyway back to yourself uh i can actually give uh i don't know if it's an exclusive but certainly something which uh, i got last night from david marciano uh, for anyone who's watching will know unfortunately we had some technical snafus with the connection with uh, David we are going to do he's, he's agreed to do a redo interview but we did get some some bits of interview around the signal problems uh, and uh, we talked about all the Queen's horses I, I said we were talking about today and he said actually um, one, the, one of the main reasons he decided not to continue on with Due South it was two things. One was uh, the character development that he wanted to see, which Paul Haggis at the time wanted to kind of keep the characters kind of in a stasis. And you watch any episode and it still feels like the same characters um, in any order. Uh, the other thing was they had started to move towards episodes like this, which were more candor centric. And part of the deal of it going forward was to have more candor content in the later series. Um, and uh, he had a very frank conversation with uh, Paul Gross, and he said, it's like, look, I completely understand you should be very proud of Canada, but I'm proud of America, and I feel like going this direction, it loses a bit of that America from the episode. So um, so this episode, he, he said, it's like, look, I do regret some of my kind of attitudes at the time. However, at the time, I felt it's just I was, I was kind of at this stage sometimes just showing up to do the scenes, and I did my best in the scenes. However, 
my heart wasn't so much in these episodes as the more Chicago-based ones. So it's kind of really interesting, this episode, which is everyone's favourite, and certainly you would never tell it in, in uh, David's performance. It, it, was, it was still stunning. It's, it's really interesting when you hear all this stuff is, is going on for him in the meantime, and it kind of led ultimately to, to him leading the show. So um, just a little bit of a tidbit there for anyone who hasn't heard that before. Mm. Uh, all, this is season two, isn't it? All the Queen's Horses? Season two, yeah. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, we're, we're like half a season, maybe, I feel like, away yeah. from him leaving. So, yeah. Yeah. I, ju I just remember another thing Another thing he always commented on that was filming North. And like you said, it, it was like a dream episode. Everything just clicked. And he just thought that, that everything was just as it was meant to be. And it, everything felt good. And he, yeah, that was just the perfect kicking off point. And it was like everything was clicking. So... Yeah, it's always interesting to hear from these guys. I mean, D Daniel Cash, um, he's an interesting guy to to listen to because again, he's he doesn't really he doesn't put on the rose tinted spectacles at all. Yeah. Uh, he very much tells it like it is, and I think he had similar sort of frustrations with his character. Um, but thankfully, we got Tom Melissus. So. <laughs> I think the main thing we want to hear is uh, it doesn't have to be that every day on set was a dream. It's that they showed up and they still enjoyed their overall experience. And it's really interesting to hear this was a bit of a struggle for him. Uh, this yeah. classic episode was a bit more of a struggle for him. I think that's really super interesting. Um, to get to get back to the episode a little bit, though, um, we, of course, get the scene where uh, there's a slightly awkward interchange where you start to get a bit of the uh, feeling of the romance between and the tension between Benny and Thatcher. And to avoid an awkward situation, what does Benson Fraser do? Of course, he dives up the window head yeah. first. <laughs> I mean, I was wondering, how did he get from I mean, the way he went out the window? How did he then end up underneath? I mean, he this is one like... of those examples. I don't need logic. I want the fun scene. <laughs> but do you know what I was imagining? Yeah, you know, like the Olympic divers who kind of come off yeah. and that. <laughs> it's the um, it's the Canadian equivalent of a boomerang. He just trained his body to like he had studied the boomerangs, which is later featured in uh, Brothers in Arms. He trained himself to curve round like that. It, it was quite a trick. It was impressive. <laughs> Yeah, goodness, what happened? Um, oh, and then we um, get the phone call to Ray, don't we? And I thought oh, that, that was such notes. a good... Yeah, yeah me and my notes. <laughs> um, I, thought, I love that scene. You've got Ray there, you know, he's no Benny to distract him. He's having some fun, having, having a gamble. Dee just sat there with him. He was, he was dog-sitting. <laughs> yeah, dog yeah. So cute. And I'm a little we bit think... jealous. You two have got Deeps and I haven't. Well, but you know where you know where he comes from. You know where this, this thief comes from, right? Ah, RC. Yeah, I can just about read it now. RCW one three nine events from twenty twelve. Yes, exactly. This thief was the uh, so what we what we've done at every RCW one three nine is for the guests that come in, we have a little gift for them. Uh, of course, you know. Can't, it's not like we can afford something really expensive, so we really have to make something uh, that's kind of fun. So that was the the uh, the gift for the guests in um, 2012. We gave them little mini diffs, little tags that said our civilian went around in 2012. I have to say that that one went that one went over really well. We were saying before you uh, join us, Michelle, it's, it's lovely how they managed to use these scenes as well. Like you've got Ray there. It's just a wonderful way of bringing uh, uh, Deep and Baker into it. So you get everyone in the uh, in the cast involved. 
yeah. you even get a lovely little scene with um uh, with Lieutenant Walsh, which I really enjoyed as well. That was a good scene, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, and just any time you get uh, a booster to come on and look a bit pissed off with proceedings is all good by me. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't forget the toilet scene around that part. I was heading towards the toilet. I was heading towards the toilet. Scene. Scene. Uh, oh, oh, so good. Just the whole thing of... Um, yeah. So Buck Frobisher is going to Lou after thinking he's gassed everyone and suddenly Penny just appears. And it's that wonderful thing, again, this is how good he is, uh, that they can have two completely separate conversations and deliver it so straight. It's like, uh, it's about the gas. I know it's been awful recently, hasn't it? What about the terrorists? I know, what about the terrorists? It's like it's almost going towards who's on first kind of territory. Yeah. But I kind of felt like there's not that many actors you could give a script to that say, right, you're going to have a conversation with a man's face down the toilet. <laughs> yeah. play yeah. And it would be like, yeah, cool, okay, yeah, I can do that. And I like the handshake at the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. I mean, uh, if there's one place you don't want to shake someone's hand to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh. It was genius. I thought that scene was genius. It was yeah, brilliant. It was <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm going to go and uh, check in with us, Spiro. You continue with uh, your, project. Project. <laughs> your project. That was it. <laughs> I'd have preferred it if he said mission or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, where do we get from that? Oh. Uh, where are you going next on the notes, Michelle? Oh, well, the next on the boat, that's the bit with um, Walsh. So like Ray bursts in while Walsh is having his sandwich. About <laughs> 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 this problem, um, you know, he's telling him about this train full of like Mounties. And I just I actually wrote down like Ray's quotes. I thought it was so funny. He's like, sure they're Canadians, but they're still people. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's the one for Micah's room. Micah, if you're listening to that, that's the perfect Ray quote. You know, you talk about uh, you talk about uh, Lieutenant Welsh, uh, Bo Star, man. That is one person whom I totally love on the show. Uh, you know, he's got such a uh, his his delivery and just you know the little moments where he's in and what he adds to the show is amazing. But I don't know if we've ever figured out what to, what happened to him uh, and. I know we looked for so many years to, to see if we could uh, track him down, and I don't think we ever found anything out. And just put they're going to bear that in mind, I think, with the quote there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think he was just so wonderful in it, but uh, like in the pilot, they had a, a perfectly good guy playing Walsh. He did a wonderful job. It's one of those cases where... Um, it's it's a great one for a great one. Like I think I would be interesting to see what the other guy would have done with it, but uh, it, he was just perfect throughout the series. And uh, yeah, they're very different takes on it, though. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and and of course we have to kind of get to the uh, the scene on top of the train, uh, or do we? Uh, sorry, is it the scene on top of the train next, or is it the? Oh. There's the the handcuff scene with the uh, yes. handcuff. <gasps> That was yeah. 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 Oh, oh, I had the vapors watching that. I yes. Say, that was, uh, oh, oh, yeah, or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you could tell there was some tension in that scene, couldn't you? Yeah. I have, um, uh, it's, it, I remembered about this last night. Do you Stefan, do you remember in 2010 when uh, Camilla Scott was on the panel? Of course I do. Yeah. Talking about this exact scene. 
Yes. And production had bought her a bra, which was apparently insanely expensive. We're talking hundreds upon hundreds of dollars just for this scene. And they ended up going with her own straight, plain old, plain black bra. So there's this hugely expensive bra that was never used. <laughs> uh, I think she kept it as well, didn't she? Yeah, I don't remember. The, I don't remember the, those details, but uh, no, for sure. But I remember. I remember Camilla talking a lot about this episode in uh, in 2010. We had uh, and we had. A, I think that was our first sort of all star panel because we had uh, we had Camilla and we had uh, Ramona and we had Tony and Tom and Catherine. I was like, I mean. Can I ask a quick question then? Was regarding the bra, was there a sort of other reason than how it looked? That was there anything sort of that it helped with padded the or well, just, no, I was just <laughs> yeah. no as in padded for yeah, like so when someone's getting close to the area yeah. not that she was in the modesty thing I was thinking from a technical yeah I think from what I, I recall from the saying I think it might be on our YouTube channel. Um have a look through the playlist. But I believe that they thought it was a bit too provocative, but it was way, it was like really, really out there as way all glamorous and glitzy. And they, they, they just thought, oh, let's go, go the plain old stock standard black bra because it's more in keeping with Thatcher's character, which is no nonsense, very practical, you know. Uh, very by the book, uh, yeah. you know, absolutely. Yeah. I think I speak for all of us when I say whichever bra they used in the end, well, well, everything. <laughs> <laughs> she suited the uniform. <laughs> yeah. Uniform didn't hurt either. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, that's the one thing which, like, I, I do think. Like, I love this episode. I love that she ends up in the uniform. It's very fitting for the episode. But it's like it's the thinnest of reasons why the guy goes. Ah, I just wanted to dress up like a mountie. <laughs> <laughs> Like did, 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 <laughs> did Paul Haggis just wake up with a bit of a hankering that day? <laughs> Possibly. I think it was one of those. I think it was one of those will they or won't they type of things. Where you remember the show Moonlighting with Bruce Willis? Yeah. They never actually got together. It was always that will they or won't they? I think this is one of that, those sort of moments. And I just remember so clearly watching um, that scene on top of the train. Uh, for the first time and you could just feel it in front of everybody it's like but but, but that was never gonna happen it's, it's gonna happen though it's definitely gonna like you knew somehow it would be there was no way of it not happening at that point where it wouldn't be disappointing it would be bad writing <laughs> if it didn't happen when they've set it up so much you can have so many near misses but if you're on top of a train standing up both of you in your uniform you just had that kind of uh, little sexy scene where you know, uh, I mean, just even there's just the moment where he goes to get the clip and she had just her eyes almost roll with just just the kind of like um, attention of the moment. If they don't kiss at that moment, like I was going to throw the DVD out of the window. Like even though I knew they kissed, it was like I was like, you better kiss. Uh, it was just glorious. This is the funny thing. This is what Ian says to me about that thought. All I'm thinking about that scene is. Do you know what? It reminds me of the fight scene that Roger Moore had on top of the train in Octopussy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember he was from the, he was dressing up as a circus and it was the knife thrower that he was fighting and I'm there going oh that reminds me was that the scene where he snogged jaws on top of the train well that's what I said she didn't yeah. work out the same way obviously as it did on this occasion so you got another another of those uh, exclusive pictures there of uh 
Fraser and uh, and Thatcher on top of the train. Uh, I don't think uh, I, you talked about Paul Haggis. I don't think Paul Haggis had a whole lot to do with uh, with you know where this no, scene I... went and where this episode went. And you were you were you were talking. I think it's this is more Paul Gross. And you were talking before about uh, you know David Marciano and the the, the whole uh, you know his comments yesterday and the the, the Canadianisms of the show and uh, canonization. I guess if you want to put it that way. I think one of the things they have to remember is. Um, this is so when this episode came out. I mean, this is second season, sort of second half of second season, uh, mm. and the show had already been canceled once. It had been picked up again, um, but a lot of the you know a lot of the funding was also coming from um, Canada. And then when you move on to season three and four, or season three, depending on the, uh, where you're at, um, you know a lot of that that funding wasn't being through the American channels anymore. It was through Canada. It was through uh, uh, the UK, BBC, BBC uh, Germany, etc. Right. So there's, yeah. so there's that, you know, there's a, there's a bit of that dynamic and, and it probably is not surprising that you're seeing a bit more, um, you know, of that focus towards Canada rather than the U S um, I just, I just find that interesting as you watch the show go on. Yeah. And of course, Paul Gross taken over as uh, as executive producer and, and everything else, right. There's a, you can, you can definitely see that, uh, that dynamic changing in the show. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you uh, say that, you do actually remind me when I was speaking to Paul Haggis and he said that uh, there was this thing of uh, during the second season, he was away for so much doing other projects and you'd have the likes of David Shaw was very involved in the second series, uh, who went on to do House, of course, and uh, as well as uh, Paul Gross, them kind of stepping in a lot of episodes where he was away. And I think that maybe, I don't know if it was the chicken or the egg, but it maybe seems like uh, maybe an episode like this was a good calling card to say to Canada, you know what, if you produce it, you can have more episodes like this, you can have more uh Canada featured in it um and you know it does sort of speak to uh David's point and I understand his point of view but uh episodes like this really are kind of uh, just quite wonderful yeah. yeah 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 and and Paul Haggis is Paul Haggis has said it before uh I, I think he might even have said it on your show uh Ian but uh the you know the the first season was such an intense season and and so you know uh, long 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 hours of work and at one point he realized that they just couldn't keep going that way and uh and and that's where you see him you know stepping back a little bit from the show and letting other people come on and 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 other people having a a really uh significant role and 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 taking the show in their own direction right uh based on of course paul's original intent but 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 you see things changing a little bit yeah, I think it's definitely a forerunner with uh, for the direction that the show went in uh, later. Uh, in styles of comedy as well, like uh, this is a slightly more broad episode than some of the earlier ones. Um, I, I must admit, as the series went on, I missed some of the more gritty episodes, which you've got less of in, in series yep. three and four or series three as it was in the UK. Um, but yeah, the, this episode is hard, hard not to love. Uh, so uh, one thing we haven't talked uh, so much about is uh, the interplay between... Uh, Buck Frobisher and of course um, Gordon Pinson. Uh, how how wonderful was it to see them seeing each other? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, when I first realised that actually he could see him, I was like, oh, oh my god! <laughs> and, and this is another like completely unexplained thing. 
So both of them are seeing him. They can both hear him saying the same things. <laughs> and obviously yeah. he's not there. It was, it was so I, I like to think of it a bit like Quantum Leap. They always said, like, you know, and they have they have mentioned in other episodes, like, of course he can see me. I want him to in one episode. So he can, like, there's, there's a bit of a willpower. I also think, like, in Quantum Leap, they had the idea that uh, children in innocence, so people who may be, uh, and other people who are um, maybe losing their mind a little bit, <laughs> which I think they kind of suggested, Brock Frobisher, although he was sharp in many ways, it, he had maybe started to go a little bit eccentric in his old age. And I like to think that's why he could see his uh, his old partner. But you remember the episode, Hawk, is it Hawk and Hansel? The end where yes. um, he's hanging off the ledge in the distillery district and all of a sudden uh, mm -hmm. uh, Buck Fabrischer appears to him and he, can, and he can see him, which causes him to fall. Is, is, yeah, that, bird, is that bird in the hand? But, sorry, bird in the hand. Sorry, yeah. bird in the hand. Yeah. I do apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Hawk and Hansel is in the yeah. asylum. There were birds in the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was just uh, about to bust out some Shakespeare as well. I am mad north northeast, but uh yeah. the <laughs> I can tell the difference between a hawk and a handsaw. Yeah. Uh, and, I and which also... now irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. What I love though as well is you can tell when people have a connection in chemistry because you know, but for between him, they just have a really good connection, don't they? You you actually believe very instantly that they're old pals from years ago. You know, you actually believe they did all the things. You know, as actors, they were just so good, obviously, that you could just believe all those things about them. But sometimes you, would... you watch things like that and you just don't believe it, do you? You don't feel oh. it, you don't believe it. But then, you know, I feel like they've had a history. I feel like they've done all that. You know, it's just great. I feel like you could watch it. I, think, I, I know I sort of said that at the beginning, but I feel like you could watch this episode just for the interplay between yeah. Leslie Nielsen and Gordon Pinsent. I mean, that, yeah. that's sort of an amazing... Uh, 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 you know, bringing the two together is just amazing. And what it, I like about it is that they, they kind of just skip over the fact, oh, you're a ghost. What's it like? You know, why can't I see you? All that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, just, they just go straight into bickering about like uh, uh, like his wife and, and the arguments that they're just picking up on like so many decades later. Uh, and they're like uh, just a bickering old couple, which I just absolutely love. They've they just got oh. this back and forth, this razor sharp between them two. Do you know what one of my favourite, sorry, I, one of my favourite moments as well is when the, the advice is being dished out. You know, when he, he advises um, Thatcher and then he advises Benny and then that's that brilliant advice. Then, Enough said. And then right at the end, that's the, that's the advice that raised yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I Sometimes there's men and women and uh, enough said. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, I'll get that. Yeah, yeah. Go. <laughs> I think I even, I think I, I nominated that. that for a convention name. I think Steph, enough said. Yeah, and, uh, yeah you, you may have. And, and the other one that you nominated for a convention name was the uh, the great, uh, and I'm going to get this wrong, Yukon <laughs> Double Douglas. Uh, Telescoping uh, bank shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which we've from... used more than one quiz uh, just for due south by southeast, uh, and I'm sure at conventions as well. <laughs> uh, uh, what I absolutely love as well is like you were saying about like the fact that uh, they just brush over the fact that they dead and because he like he's, he's cynical for a second until he's answers his question. It kind of reminds me. I once interviewed this guy called Bill Burst Junior. He's been in loads of horror stuff. And he was uh, Lincoln in Lincoln versus Zombies. And he said, it's like, well, look, uh, I just researched. I'm actually a big fan of Lincoln. 
and uh, uh, which actually relates back to G-Sales as well, Link and the Dog. Anyway, uh, he was saying that um, uh, I just, like, he took everything in his stride, no matter what was happening. And so I imagined if he just met zombies, he'd be like, uh, oh, well, zombies, that's just another thing to deal with. And I like to think back for him, which is the same way. It's like, ah, oh, my friend's back from the dead. Anyway, better get on with what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, actually. Uh, there, there was something also so glorious about that idea that um, I think we've all got a parallel with our best friends of that moment, which we, we remember differently. Like, uh, and you know, it's like, uh, oh, yeah, well, you know, of course, I let you win that shot. I saw your love was real between you and her. It's like, <laughs> oh, let me win it, did you? <laughs> Perfect. Brilliant. Yeah, I think every interaction well, that they had in the episode was brilliant. Sorry? I'd say every interaction that they had in the episode yeah. was just brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. Like you say, I, you, you could definitely see that chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. That was brilliant. Uh, what have you got next on your notes then, Michelle? Um, well, one thing we didn't mention was obviously Ray. Another thing that just really wasn't explained, not Ray, sorry, um, Benton. Obviously, there's this fight on top of the train and he gets knocked off and there's no explanation of how he survives it. Or how, I mean, he was still looking pristine when he gets back on. How did he make that fall, survive it, and still look perfect in his uniform when he jumps back on? Well, that's yeah. but that's but that's it's, just Fraser, right? I mean, he goes into Fraser, garbage. Yeah. He, he goes into garbage bins, and nothing sticks to him. And no, because <laughs> yeah, next we see him on. I don't know what those contraptions oh, yeah, are called. I don't know what, what they are. They're called the. Um, Pogo stick. No, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's officially, but. That's what you see, and you think this train would have been miles, miles off, wouldn't it? And there he is, right behind it, <laughs> in a really comical sketch almost, didn't it? Like Wiley Coyote or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just great. Yeah, it's they great. did chuck a lot of comedy into this one. Like one of the things that just really tickled me was when they were having this moment up on top of the train and they were having their kiss. And it's this amazing moment, and then all of a sudden you just hear this thump, <laughs> and the top of his hat is gone. <laughs> just the laws of physics alone. Like, how? How? Yeah. The razor blade, are the razor blades sort of like perfectly aligned? Yeah. Yeah. But it's just also, it's kind of a callback almost to uh, the first episode where his dad comes back, where the back of his hat's cut off because he was in the funeral casket. Yes. So he nicks one of Benny's hats. It, it seems like just another cut at that joke and it just works just as well well and and then and if you want to take it back to uh one of the first episodes with uh you know she shot me in the hat you know and he's got <laughs> so... how does it look it doesn't look good i also just want to think about the guy you know the one that ray was interacting with that took him on this yeah. high-speed car you know with the buggy and I really liked him as well. It was just, I was not expecting, I was expecting the joke to go, yeah, I've got a car, but it to be really like a driving Miss Davy, Daisy type car. I didn't expect them to have helmets on and then go go off in this awesome, like, you know, <laughs> all-terrain buggy chase. <laughs> I, do, I do like looking at the stuffed beef and baker in the vehicle. Obviously, like, not a, not a real dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, guys, like, uh, one thing I just want to quickly name check as well is that wonderful moment was like, uh, yeah, they should be waking up just about now. We're gonna ride, <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing <laughs> happened, eh? uh, guys. We are running out of time though. Uh, very quickly, uh, we'll just run through uh, best moments uh, of the week. So, we've got um, best Stephen Baker moment of the week, everyone. Uh, uh Stefan, uh, uh, sorry, best Stephen Baker moment of the week. 
Yes, this is a feature. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> now you've got me. Uh, you've got okay, me. Okay, we'll go to Michelle while you think about it. Michelle? Michelle, well, um, I think I'm going to go. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go for the bit, um, it's, it's tricky with him this week, but I think the bit when he's at the front of the train and he's, you know, trying to tell them, oh, you can make it look like the train's still going. He's like, look up there, look at the fan. You know, he, uh, he did his bit and he helped. I'm going to go potato chips. Uh, I'm going potato chips because I hope he got them. Amani? Yeah, it has to be potato chips. Although just hanging in there in that off-road off vehicle is just... <laughs> With, with no seatbelt. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going with the, I'm going with the chips too. I think it's just classic Deef. Yeah. Okay, we've got uh, most Canadian. Uh, we'll go most uh, Canadian of the week first, and uh, oh, this is going to be tough for us because we're not allowed to repeat any. You guys have got fertile ground because once we've picked a Canadian in any episode, we're not allowed to pick them for another episode. So, yeah. uh, Stefan, you got anything on this one for the most Canadian of the week in this episode? the most Canadian of the week, I think, I think it's just the whole, the RCMP musical ride, you know, that is so Canadian. Do you know what? I'm going with that. I'm going to go that the whole choir working uh, together. Uh, Everyone good with that? That was yeah, mine. I think so. That was mine. The fact they just woke up and broke back into it. That uh, was mine too. I love it. Okay. Now this is going to be a challenge. Now I should preface this with, we always pick the most American of the week. And as with the most Canadian week, they don't have to be American or Canadian. They just have to exalt in some virtues of that country, good or bad. So we've got to try and think of the most American of the week. I'm going to say it's the bad guy, because not that all Americans are bad guys, but, you know, you do have that uh, gangster history. Well, the whole fact that they take a train hostage, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> That's quite an American kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, do, go big or go home kind of thing. Anyone got right. any different? me yes i'm gonna go with the guy in the uh buggy with ray the doom buggy because i think to myself that i was expecting miss daisy i didn't get that i love it very american that love was it. my pick as well yeah money yeah i'd go with that as well awesome uh those are all the orders of business we did would you ask Stefan? yes Stefan, did, yep. didn't you yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah sorry yeah, thank you Sorry, I'm not, not questioning. I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for looking out for me. I haven't known for the last at least five hours. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, thank you very much. This has been a real special episode. Thank you to all the Jesus watching. Thank you uh, to everyone from the GSAF community who supported this event so much. Um, it's been just so wonderful. I know a lot of the donations have come from the G South guests. And as I say, we will bring you that David Marciano uh, interview redo later. At least we did get a few stories from him, what we could get uh, around his signal breakages. But uh, for this week, I've been Detective Squee. With me has been... Civilian Aid Nicola. Um, trying to point diagonally. Is that to me? Yeah. Mountie Michelle. I'll do it. There you go. Armani John. Oh. And Stefan. Oh, okay. We've got to point in reverse because it kind of flips the camera. Anyway, that's not point. So Michelle and uh, Nicola, uh, say if people had a compass and they wanted to keep it pointed in a certain direction until next week, which direction would you recommend they keep it pointed in? Due south, south by south, 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 south east. Thank you kindly. So